0: Welcome to Fat Guy, Jack Guy. I'm Steph Rubino.
1: And I'm Brendan Walsh.
0: And this is the last episode of the year, folks. But before we do that, we have a little message for you.
1: Please become a patron of Fat Guy, Jack Guy by going to patreon.com backslash guy For as little as $3 a month, you get all of our bonus content and you also get to contribute to our grifter dreams. So please hop on the Patreon. Fat Guy.
0: Fat guy, jack guy,
1: two wacky
0: goofballs
1: talking about stuff, two biological brothers talking about
0: stuff. It's been a minute since we did this, brother, but I'm going to start the normal way with the famous fat guy, jack guy preamble.
1: It wouldn't be right if we didn't do a preamble.
0: (laughs) You must. So we began this season with a little narrative from you, brother, about watching the ball drop on Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve at the stroke of midnight on January 1st, 2002. Uh, Sorry, that's 2003, actually, right? Mm -hmm. 2003. At that time, Brendan had been living as a 15-year-old for about a month. And I was just four months shy of my 15th birthday. We were well into our first years of high school, and the rest of the world was on fire. Much like it is right now, actually. And much like right now, it didn't feel like there was a lot to celebrate. But we always do. We always find something to celebrate. I'm not going to get into why it didn't feel like there was a lot to celebrate because we've been talking about it for most of the season. So I guess you guys could just go w- listen to those other episodes. But, you know, the U.S. was in a weird place at the moment. And in December 2002, we couldn't possibly predict what was coming just three months later, which, again, we have talked about many times from this podcast. So you can go listen to those other episodes. We couldn't predict the ways our lives would expand and change and grow. We didn't know how the next decade would twist us, throw us, force us into harsh realizations, force us into decisions we didn't want to make and shape us. The truth is, and we've been harping on this, I know, but I'm just going to say it again, that whatever alternative timeline we entered on January 1st, 2003, exactly 21 years ago from today, in just a few days, you know, whenever you're listening to this, you could be listening to this on January 1st, potentially. It has been a rough-ass journey. Of course, the two of us, and I'm just speaking for the two of us, because brother, you know, I figure you're going to agree with this. We found a lot of joy and happiness and beauty over the course of that journey, but speaking on a global level, we were coming of age in hell, <laughs> and we're still living in it. We do what we can to make good use out of the hell we're living in, this Podcast is a product of that attempt, and much of our individual lives are testaments to trying to make this hell less hell like. But it doesn't take away from that fact. 2003, much like all of the landmark, war inducing, empire building years that came before it, thrust us into the throes of everything we're experiencing right now, which weirdly kind of connects well to the topic of this week's episode, according to my research. See, this episode was supposed to be about all of the good and bad performances that happened on Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve (laughs) from 2003 to 2013. But it turns out it's very difficult to research that unless you have some access to some archival, you know, archival places, some places where I could actually go and like look at that footage. For something that feels so distinctly a part of American culture for so long, I found that there's not a lot of people out there truly keeping tabs on it, which I guess kind of speaks to celebrating New Year's as a whole, right? It's kind of this like ephemeral experience, and then it just kind of disappears, right?
1: I've always felt that about New Year's as a celebration. It's always felt... The most hollow of holidays for me.
0: Yeah. And it's it's almost, it's not forgettable. I won't say that because I have some good New Year's memories. But, like, it almost is forgettable. You probably forget more New Year's than you remember. Right?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Um, And not just because of, like, alcohol consumption. Which, honestly, for a person who likes to have a couple, New Year's has never really been the biggest party night for me. um and i I do think that there is an ephemeral quality to the celebration of new year's because you're waiting for some reason for a moment and then that moment has passed and then you're like all right what do we do now like what does this moment actually symbolize has anything really changed besides having to put down a different date which we don't even have to do anymore uh (laughs) you know back in school that was a big deal when you had to write the date on the top of the paper so true doesn't happen anymore so
0: no yeah no we just we just type it kind of sometimes not even really yeah. there's not a wiki page for every dick clark's new year's and eve <laughs> that lists the celebrity guests for that year or the musical acts who played and what songs they performed actually there's not a list for every year anywhere and if you scour YouTube, you'll only find bits and pieces of different New Year's Rock and Eve broadcasts. And everybody, just get ready because I'm going to say New Year's Rock and Eve like 900 times during <laughs> this. <laughs> episode. Let's just
1: say, brother, that is such a failing of our culture that we have not documented every single no! New Year's Rock and Eve performance. Like, someone knows this information, but why isn't this readily available?
0: No, I think it's really fucked up actually. I was really mad when I discovered that. I was like, what how could this be? We have everything else. It just shows you how much I've gotten used to having like all this information available also, because I got so upset. I was like, I can't believe that nobody's documented this. This makes no sense. Also, no publications put out lists of like what are the best ones, what are the worst ones. So interesting. which is strange.
1: You know, when this empire inevitably crumbles and we Stoon. are yeah, soon enough and we're just like in the uh dustbin of history and thousands of years later people will be like, What were the Americans doing? Like how did they celebrate uh, you know, the winter solstice and their holidays and their new year? We'll have no record of New Year's Rock and Eve in any significant way, and that's like a major bummer.
0: <laughs> that, it really fucking sucks, especially because I'm gonna talk about Dick Clark in a little bit and it's like it sucks that people are not gonna know. He's, he seems he seems okay enough. So if you're lucky enough to find a longer broadcast on YouTube or on some other, like, random video website, it's still truncated from, like, five hours because that's how long the broadcast is. It's still truncated from, like, five hours to 90 minutes, which means you're still missing some stuff. Like, there's, there's not all the pieces there. And as I just said, this frustrated me a lot. I wanted to see videos of Uncle Cracker and Lil Jon sharing the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Cracker. There was this one Destiny's Child performance that, like, I remember in in my mind's eye, I remember it being amazing, but I can't find footage of it. And this might be a fever dream, but I distinctly remember seeing older acts like Aerosmith and Rod Stewart sharing the stage with newer stars like Jessica Simpson and the Black Eyed Peas. But I couldn't find any of the weird shit I remembered. There's a lot of stuff from later in the decade, like 2011 to 2013, but just not as much for the rest of it. And if you were there or if you were like sentient and alive at the time, You know it was kind of chaotic. You probably remember some of those performances, too. And I'm sure you remember when the celebrity guests would go out into the crowd at Times Square and ask random-ass people, random-ass questions about their nights and about their plans for the future. You might even remember when Jenny McCarthy kissed that complete stranger that one time, because she did do that. There was a lot going on on Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve, and there still is because it's still on. It still happens every single year.
1: Is it still called Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve?
0: I think, I think they axe the Dick Clarks, that, but it's that, still mean, called New Year's Rock and Eve. <laughs> that's fair. because yeah. I mean,
1: still, People would be like, who is Dick Clark?
0: Yes. Okay. I'm going to talk about that actually because yeah. that that's the crazy part about this whole thing. New Year's Rockin' Eve is the highest rating New Year's Eve program in the country. And you might think that viewership has dwindled in the age of streaming, but you'd be wrong about that. It's as strong as ever. And that's despite all the wild changes that occurred during our second season decade of choice. Now listen, this isn't an ad for Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' (laughs) Eve. (laughs) It's just that it seems like most people do. And it's worth talking about, and maybe worth talking about why we do. Even just last year, both Brendan and I were at a party at the family home of our strength coach, Vinny, and at two minutes to midnight, we all crowded into their living room to watch the ball drop on Dick Clark's New Year's Rocky Eve. We did. We did, and it was that program. That feels kind of insane, doesn't it? Like not only was everyone in the U.S. sharing the celebration of the New Year, well, everyone in the world, obviously, but, like, I'm just focused on the U.S., that we were all sharing in the celebration of the New Year, but also so many people in the U.S. were doing that exact thing, crowding into their living rooms with their friends and loved ones and partners, counting down the ball drop on the same exact television program. It's... My time is stopping and moving forward for millions and millions of people at the same moment. Given that I can't really get into what I originally wanted to get into in this episode, I was still f- I was still able to find some interesting stuff about Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve that fell directly in this season's decade. So, I'm gonna talk to you guys about that stuff. Before I like talk about the decade specifically, I, I'm going to give you a little like brief history of Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Cause I think it's kind of interesting how it came to be just so that everybody knows and we're clear on who Dick Clark is. <laughs> <laughs> he was essentially an American TV legend. He hosted a wildly watched show called American Bandstand forever From 1956 to 1989, when the show was canceled. That's a long, first of all, that's a long time for a television show to be on air. I just want to point that out. The man was on TV all the time, like all of the time. And what happened was he kind of upended another person's New Year's Eve program. Oh, no. Prior to, (laughs) no, I love this. I love that he like staged a coup against this guy, basically. (laughs) He staged a TV coup against this guy before. New Year's Rockin' Eve premiered on ABC. The most well-known New Year's Eve program was this program from Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians. If you don't know who that is, like, don't worry about it because I don't really know who that is either. Obviously, they always broadcast this New Year's Eve special from the Waldorf or the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York. Basically, Guy Lombardo was the host of these New Year's Eve broadcasts for 48 years until his death in 1977. Jesus. He started on the fucking radio. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even start on TV, obviously, because his New Year's Eve special started in 1928 before people had televisions in their homes. So it was on TV then from 1956 to 1976 and he died in in 77. Those of you who are like familiar with american new year's eve traditions the song auld lang syne was popularized by guy lombardo and his royal canadians they're the ones Damn. who like made that our tradition yeah isn't that crazy so that that's an almost crazy. 100 year tradition that's yeah. an almost 100 year old tradition that we sing auld lang sign on new year's eve in the 1970s you know the 70s
1: Sure. You're doing a you know. movement right now <laughs> that the listeners can definitely see. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, the 70s, they were crazy. Clark noticed that Guy Lombardo's like New Year's Eve specials were pretty outdated and that younger viewers did not give a shit about it. Literally, they didn't care. Young people basically stopped watching the New Year's Eve special, according to some of the sources that I read. And it was just like the older people who are watching it. So like their parents and their grandparents and stuff. To kind of like make up for that and try to like fix that gap, because he was always with young people, right? American Bandstand was a young people show. It was like a dance show for young people. He was, he wanted to provide something to them. So he created this New Year's Eve special to compete with Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians. The program, he decided to name it New Year's Rocket Eve so that like everybody thought it was cool, you know? That is cool. (laughs) <laughs> he's like, yes, we're going to put rock in the title and everybody will love it. So the whole idea was that like it was going to be a New Year's Eve special by young people for young people. Though Dick Clark wasn't really young at that time. He, but he employed people who were like he tried to get people involved who were young. The very first edition of New Year's and Eve was called Three Dog Nights New Year's and Eve. Ooh. And it was on NBC at that time. The first year's and Eve wasn't even really hosted by Dick Clark. He did do some hosting, but for the most part, it was hosted by the band Three Dog Night. Like the members came and like hosted the show, which I think that would be cool to see. I also, can't find any video of that online, but that would be cool to see. There were different, so he, tr- like I said, the format of the sh- like the format of the show wasn't really figured out yet. They and it was certainly wasn't anything like what it is right now. Essentially, they had some pre-recorded musical performances from different places. um, Some from Long Beach, California. Some from New York City. And Clark was just kind of like reporting from Times Square with the live coverage of the ball drop. The ball drop was obviously like a really well-known New York City tradition by that by that point. So. All he had to do was just kind of be there and count it down and do his little ad-libbing, right? When Guy Lombardo died in 19... So that was in 1973, the first special. I mean, sorry, it was technically it was December 31st, 1972 to January 1st, 1973. When Guy Lombardo died in 1977, the network that he was on, CBS, and his band, the Royal Canadians, they tried to like continue doing their New Year's Eve broadcast, but New Year's Rockin' Eve was just hard to compete with. It was too fucking
1: cool. It was rocking. It
0: was it was too cool, and it really over it, in just the few short years that it was on TV. By like 1977, it had already overtaken that New Year's Eve special that Guy Lombardo used to do. So the ratings were not on guys and the Royal Canadians' side; they were on Dick Clark's side pretty heavily, as it got like much more popular. He began hoping and planning that New Year's Rock and Eve would essentially like become ingrained in American culture. That was the whole idea in the first place, was that it was always going to be on TV. He always wanted it to be on TV. And so he tried to make it as relevant as possible every single year. and that meant that whatever whoever was like in the top of the pops for that year, he tried to get them on the show. It's kind of interesting, like, looking back on who was on the show, because it really is like a who's who of the most popular people at that time period. Some of the celebrity guests and hosts and musical guests in the 1970s and 80s were pretty amazing. George Carlin hosted for a period. Can you imagine also, like, George Carlin hosting fucking... New Year's Eve. I mean, George Carlin was, like, so cool to that particular demographic of young people in the 70s and 80s, so you can imagine um, that probably got very high ratings. They had the Pointer Sisters on, the Beach Boys, the Doobie Brothers, Olivia Newton-John, Barry Manilow, Blondie, Chic, um, Oak Ridge Boys, and the Village People, just to name a few. Also, like I said, there's not, like, full lists of who was on every broadcast, so this is what I could find. In the '90s, it was also pretty cool. Like Margaret Cho and Steve Harvey <laughs> <Wow>. hosted, <laughs> um, and you had people on there like Melissa Etheridge, Hootie and the Blowfish, Salt and Pepper, Weird Al Yankovic, the Presidents of the United States of America, Dr. John, Lou Reed, and Naughty by Nature. For the big Y2K ball drop, which I remember very fondly, we we were not having a party, and we did not leave the house that yeah because because of the
1: potential for mayhem right right, right, of terrorist attacks
0: right for that one they actually had they actually didn't do a dick clark's new year's rock and eve right it wasn't the traditional dick clark's new year's rock and eve what it was and i didn't remember this like i just it's so crazy like the things that come up in our research because like i just like didn't remember that in my head, that's what we were doing, right? Because that's, like, what we always did was, like, as kids, you, your parents or your family or family friends have a party, but you're parked in front of the television for the most part, unless you're, like, running around high on sugar. There was no New- Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve for the big Y2K ball drop. Actually, ABC did this, like, day-long broadcast where they had, like, all the all this international coverage of... The New Year's celebration, and they had people like Clark kind of doing his normal correspondence from Times Square. So they still showed Clark and like they still showed Times Square since people were still out in Times Square for Y2K. (laughs) There are some people who are not as afraid as our families. There are still people out in Times Square, so he was still doing that. But there were also like a thousand members of the ABC news team, like all over the world doing coverage. So that was what they did for the big Y2K ball drop it did come back in 2001 (laughs) it feels weird to like talk about 2000 like the 2000 2001 edition of this because like again it kind of is a similar situation to how we were waiting for 2003 to happen like you didn't know what was gonna happen and then something very very big did happen nine months later but basically they they changed the format of the show in two, for the 2000-2001 edition and they gave it a new hour. It started at 10pm instead of later and it kind of like expanded a little bit and he believed that no matter what people were doing in any part of the world, which brother, you're probably going to find this funny, but he believed that no matter what people were doing in any part of the world, they wanted to know what was going on in Times Square on New Year's Eve.
1: Yeah, that's I'm constantly <laughs> thinking about. I'm kind so of thinking about fought, the place I would not want to be in the entire world. And it's Times Square. He fought to
0: keep it. He fought to keep it in Times Square. And it's where they it's kept all it happening. in Times Square. That's where it's all happening. For that edition, uh Wayne Brady hosted the, the comic oh, Wayne Brady.
1: Wow, that was the time where Wayne Brady was is, untouchable.
0: Yeah, which is really funny. And then man, this lineup of uh this lineup of musical acts, you're gonna love it. We had 98 Degrees, The Baja Men,
1: wow. Boys
0: to Men, and Third Eye Blind. That is
1: a great lineup.
0: It's a great lineup and such a weird mixture of genres and people. Mm-hmm. So just imagine what that was uh, like, you know, for everybody. You got to hear
1: Who Let the Dogs Out, a song about life. Like, yeah, drug addiction and sex addiction and, yeah. you know, 90s San Francisco and yeah, some 98 th- Degrees th- stuff. <laughs>
0: i think it's great (laughs) they made some good decisions there i'm just kind of like going through the first couple of years before our decade so wildly enough like despite what happened in september of 2001 new year's rock and eve still went on for the 2002 ball drop
1: don't you remember that that was how we defeated terrorism was having new year's rock and eve
0: that's true. Dick Clark actually single-handedly defeated terror. He defeated Al Qaeda by himself.
1: That's why we, after New Year's Rockin' Eve, no more war on terror. I think it was wrapped up pretty neatly after that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It. Now that you mention it.
1: As far as I, I can didn't remember. Think about it
0: before, but that is true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, it's when pretty you true. think about it,
0: it's true actually. So this is an interesting one because. Obviously, like, people were afraid of terrorist attacks. (laughs) Like, they were very scared that something was going to happen at the New Year's Eve celebration. So much of the live acts performed in, like, a studio that was away from Times Square. (laughs) Like, far away from Times Square. And some of them even, like, pre-recorded their performances. So, like, they had pre-recorded performances from Aerosmith, from Destiny's Child... And Elton John and then in the studios that were like far away from Times Square, they had Blink-182, Bush, Busta Rhymes, Jessica Simpson, LFO, the OJs, which is like such a random one in this, and Pink.
1: Wow, such an interest! another interesting thing because it reveals so much about our musical tastes in that moment. We yeah. have like a lot of pop punk um, yeah. influence there.
0: Yeah, totally and like we still have like a boy band and then we have like a you know like a female pop singer actually two female pop singers so i guess pink was kind of like pop alternative or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah it says it shows everything about what 2001 and 2002 were like i i saw i looked at a source that talked about like how people were feeling about the 2001 2002 ball drop for that year and just like about new year's Rock and eve and Clark said that it was the most new, the most nerve-wracking New Year's Rockin' Eve he ever recorded.
1: I can believe it. I can yeah. believe it.
0: But people still showed out. Like people were in Times Square and, you know, they didn't hold back. They were like these colors don't run. Yep. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing our thing. The know? greatest show of patriotism <laughs> is
1: to be very cold and have to pee with no public restrooms for that's, hours.
0: No, that's so real actually. That says a lot about like just american culture in general we want to do the the thing that is the most inconvenient Mm -hmm. celebrate a holiday that really doesn't mean that much
1: (laughs) (laughs) and sucks
0: yeah it sucks it's crazy
1: every time i thought about like never appealed to me at all i don't know who it appeals to to be in times square on new year's eve the older i've gotten the more it sounds like hell like, yeah. before it was like, oh, that sounds really bad and inconvenient and kind of annoying and lame. Now it's like, if you wanted to torture me, that's what you would do to me.
0: <laughs> Listen, it, if, it was, if it was New Year's Eve in, like, 1977 in Times Square, oh, I'd totally be down for that. Because it would be, like, you know, gritty and seedy and, like, all that shit. But now it's just, like, giant Olive Garden and Margaritaville. And you can't even use their bathrooms.
1: Yep, can't use their bathrooms. And you're probably drinking while you're there because it's freezing. Yeah, So you're just kind of standing there in your coat.
0: And I never see... Okay, one thing I noticed about those broadcasts too, or one, things I, one thing I was thinking about in regards to New Year's Rockin' Eve, I never see like anybody selling food or drink.
1: <laughs> so what the hell's happening?
0: What's happening <laughs> for four hours? <laughs> like I guess you're you the, the halal the guy. Yeah. <laughs> You got to walk out of Times Square to go to the halal guy and come back. Yeah, Probably true, guy. actually. Probably true. So let's get into our decade a little bit. Even though there were hosts who occasionally joined Dick Clark in hosting the show, he was always the main attraction. And famously, it was always his voice that was heard doing the countdown to the ball drop. Because, you know, if you've watched Dick Clark's news, Rockin' Eve, you know that at a minute and a half to the ball drop... They just focus on the ball <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they do not show anything else for some reason. I don't know why we do that. A minute and a half. Uh,
1: how do you make that that commentary fresh year after year where it's like, there's after- the ball and it's another year and here we are. Uh, ball's about to drop. Oh, boy. It's,
0: it's lit up a different color this year. I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but they're doing it. When, when I was writing this, and you mentioned this earlier about Dick Clark, when I was writing this, I kept thinking about how it's it's really strange that when we were kids, we had no idea why Dick Clark was so beloved and so famous, but we, like, knew who he was simply because he did New Year's Rocket Eve.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was just one of those names that, like, your grandparents and your parents would just say. Just like, yeah. oh, oh, look, it's Dick Clark, you know? <laughs> there he is.
0: never involved in any like scandals or anything like there was no paparazzi on dick clark like he was just a guy right that everybody knew and i think when we've mentioned this on the podcast before it really speaks to like a weird feature of growing up before our culture got so fragmented and fractured you had these like giants these icons in pop culture that everyone knew even if they weren't really familiar with much of their work and dick clark was really one of those people I guess, like, after a while, you can say New Year's Rockin' Eve became his work. Mm -hmm. His ground, if you will. It was his
1: ground. He built it. It was
0: his ground. He built it. But that's not the beginning of his story. And, like, no one I knew, and I'm sure you relate to this, really ever thought to figure out what he was all about.
1: (laughs) We didn't talk about it. I guess that's, like, the... The sign of a really great television host is that they are recognizable in so much as they're like wallpaper. Right. They, yeah, they that's exist, basically it. Yeah. they're comforting, but they offer nothing that someone else probably couldn't offer as well. They yeah. just, exi- they fit very nicely into whatever we want them to fit into. And that's what Dick Clark was doing.
0: So accurate. That's what you, you really hit it. Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve didn't really change very much, but in our decade, some monumental changes started happening with Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve. And I was thinking about that too. That over the years, and maybe it's just because I'm paying less attention, that it could just be like my own bias, but it does feel like New Year's Rock and Eve has lost some kind of like lost some heft in the public eye. Yeah, probably. And I think, I think this decade is actually to blame for it. So I'm gonna talk about that. I'm gonna talk about what's going on with dick clark's new year's Rockin' eve from 2003 to
1: 2013 <laughs> one of them is that he croaked right <laughs> <laughs> well
0: yeah yeah we well, can get shit away right now i'm taking that out i'm taking that out <laughs> watching this show though even though all these changes happen the the ratings are still incredibly high but the biggest issue with iconoclasts like dick clark is that they get old And I don't mean old as in we're bored with them, but old as in age. (laughs) And of course, that's exactly what happened with Dick Clark. On December 8th, 2004, Dick Clark was hospitalized after having a minor stroke. So Uh obviously you can imagine this would ring in. I didn't mean to say ring in. (laughs) This would bring some new changes to the show, right? Because if you know anything about having a stroke, you know that it impacts your motor skills and your speaking skills it impacts everything right he survived and like he was fine for the most part but it did take him a while to get his speech back and he did you know december 8th is only a month less than a month before the show would air so he didn't have a lot of time to do that rehab work with his to do that rehab work with his speech so it was officially announced on december 14th that dick clark wouldn't be hosting the show and instead regis philbin oh
1: yeah it was
0: another iconic class of that period he was announced it was announced that he would fill in for clark and people were not enthusiastic about regis filling in for dick like at all during the broadcast one of the correspondents from CNN went into the crowd at Times Square to ask people how Regis was doing as a host, and mostly they said he was just doing an okay job.
1: <laughs> Brother, that's anti-Catholic sentiment. No, that's it's all really fucked up. They thought he it's was really in the New Year on the Pope's order. That's why.
0: <laughs> that's so true, actually. anti irish um, I, I don't know why I find this so funny, but I really do. I was like obsessed with this, like Regis hate. Like, why would you hate like, Regis? <laughs> <laughs> it led me down like such a weird rabbit hole. In 2004, Michael Bloomberg was mayor of New York City, and for some reason, they also asked him about Regis's show. And he's qu- Regis's like temporary show. He's quoted as saying, "It isn't that we don't like Regis, but we want Dick back next year." <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is just funny to me because I thought people like loved Regis, right? So I'm like so hung I'm so hung up on people hating Regis for this. Um so I like I said I got kind of trapped into this like everybody hates Regis for some reason, like rabbit hole. So I went and read some reviews of the Regis broadcast. And there were t- there were not that many reviews funny enough like people don't really review the New Year's Rock and Eve show <laughs> like they stopped doing that a long time ago what but a blind spot. Was, there's a couple um Richard Huff of the New York Daily News said that Regis was suitable although not spectacular Oof. and he said he should have had a young co-host to help him out and then Virginia Heffernan of the New York Times, noted that Philbin seemed surprisingly nervous hmm. in the role and i'm not gonna defend regis here i don't you know i don't really know much about regis i don't know i know at this point i know less about regis than i do about dick clark <laughs> doing the research <laughs> for the show but i get why he was nervous like how are you gonna fill dick clark's shoes you know but you'd think you for someone with it. so
1: much live TV experience, you know, he had Regis and Kathy, he had Who Wants to Be a yeah. Millionaire, you'd think he'd be confident, but maybe that was like Regis's, like that was his guy, Dick Clark was was the guy he always wanted to be, and then true. he couldn't really fill his shoes, yeah.
0: Oh, that's so true, oh my god, that's probably, you probably just cracked the code there. <laughs>
1: Too so bad they're weird. both dead, so we can't ask. Yeah, we
0: can't even ask Oh, it sucks. <laughs> year it was looking like Dick Clark was going to make a comeback to New Year's Rock and Eve. ABC announced in August uh that he would be back for the 2005-2006 edition, which would mark which would mark his first television appearance since the stroke. However, they were like, "Okay, we can't just have like Dick Clark, who's still recovering from the stroke, alone by himself hosting New Year's Rock and Eve. Doesn't make any sense." So they announced that he would be joined. By a new co host, a media personality who was both American Idol host and America's sweetheart, mm-hmm. Ryan Seacrest. Sure. Who everybody loved. Basically, they were grooming Ryan Seacrest to be the new Dick Clark because they had a feeling Dick wouldn't last very much longer. And actually, that makes the crazy thing about Ryan Seacrest becoming the new Dick Clark is that it makes so much sense when you think about it because. Ryan Seacrest was also a longtime host of a show that was based around music.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like the, like, new D- he's so like the Dick Clark of our generation. Yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, it's so weird, right? But, back, like, in back December 2005. There was, like, a lot of coverage about Dick Clark coming back. And in an interview with People Magazine, Seacrest talked about how basically you know, Dick Clark was coming back, but he wasn't fully recovered, so his duties were going to be limited, and, like, Seacrest was going to do more of the show. And just a little, like, side note about the 2005-2006 edition, even though, like, Dick Clark's role in the whole thing was a little bit diminished, they did, like, change the show a little bit. Um, again, even though, you know, they, even though, like, they had, they had this big, like, Dick Clark return and all that, they still were trying to figure out, you know, how to do the format of the show and make it so that people were still interested in watching it. So the two thousand five two thousand six edition is the first time they did the live performances in Times Square, which I did not realize that at all. In my head, the live Times Square performances have always been a part of the show. Yeah, but. It's not true. <laughs> Interesting. It's I always thought true. that was the case. Wow. Yeah, it's not true. I know it's like a weird effect of like watching it so often afterwards that we just like assigned it to the rest of the ones. Um, so the person who got to be the first to do the Times Square live performance was none other than Mariah Carey.
1: Your your gal.
0: Yeah. And. As you're pointing out, since I am an amateur Mariah Carey historian, I just want to remind everybody of a few things in regards to, like, 2005. 2005 was the year that Mariah Carey released The Emancipation of Mimi, which, in a way, was her big comeback to the spotlight after taking some time off to, I don't know, I guess she was, like, finding herself or reconnecting with herself. In a way, this performance was part of that, and she got to be the first person to do it live in Times Square, so, like, it was... Dick Clark's comeback, and also Mariah Carey's comeback, in a way. If you don't remember that performance, she did It's Like That, which was like her biggest hit from Emancipation of Mimi, and it was one of the highest chart-topping, but chart-topping singles of her career. Chart-topper. So, anyway, she killed that performance, and it's often overshadowed. This one you can see on YouTube, actually, so if you guys want to go look it up, you can see that one on YouTube. She did a really great job, but it sucks because it often gets overshadowed by her New Year's Rockin' Eve return from 2016, where she flubbed up really bad. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, she didn't do a good job. There was a whole, like, lip-syncing weird situation that happened. Of course they're lip-syncing, you guys. Like... Get over it. Get Uh over it. Anyway, back to Dick. The 2005-2006 edition was one of the highest viewed ones because people were interested about Clark's condition. I, th- this is what they're saying. I don't know if that's true. It feels really callous that people were just watching this one because they wanted to see how he would do. Like, that-
1: <laughs> they wanted to see if he was fucked up
0: or not. He <laughs> fucked up to me. Um, so I hope that's not true, but like it, it's possible, I guess basically it had over 20 million viewers throughout the night and it hit the key demographic of 18 to 49 year olds that was the most those were the most people viewing Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve so young people were, were still like watching the show right um, and still are following the 2006 edition of the show dick clark productions yes he owns a production company and the production company only puts on dick clark's new year's rockin' eve they announced that Seacrest was going to be the host for all of the future editions of New Year's Rock and Eve. And at this point, Dick Clark was kind of finally given permission to chill out. People were like, okay, we got Ryan Seacrest. So Dick Clark, you can kind of just hang around <laughs> or whatever. Um, he continued to make like little limited on-air appearances from Times Square. And he still did the countdown, even though Seacrest was the host. Um, But Seacrest did the majority of the Times Square work. From 2006 to 2011, the list of people who performed at New Year's Rockin' Eve is really, really wild, and you can find some of these performances online. I just thought I would like throw these hard hitters out there for you. The reason why I couldn't like rate the best and worst performances is because I can't find all of these performances online, so it felt like that would be an incomplete situation and i didn't want to do that
1: we can't do that But
0: you can't do that yeah we're we're about professionalism here on this podcast and i want to keep it professional um <laughs> so here here are the hard hitters from 2006 2011 carrie underwood miley cyrus the jonas brothers twice akon natasha Benningfield sean kingston mm. plain white plain white tees taylor swift will i am Taylor Swift again. Sorry, she also performed twice. Lionel Richie, Fallout Boy, Neo, The mm-hmm. Pussycat Dolls, Solange, Robin Thicke, Jennifer Lopez, Carrie Hilson, Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber, David Guetta, Kesha, Teo Cruz, The Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block together.
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> Avril Lavigne, Train, Willow Smith, Jason Derulo, and drake
1: wow young drake
0: young drake yeah he was in the 2010 2011 edition each year and this is the thing that keeps i keep coming back to because it is crazy each year viewership peaked at around 20 million viewers that's pretty wild which is wild and this was even without dick clark and they were hitting the key demographic 18 to 49 year olds right so that's interesting to me. It's interesting to me because, like I said, we I feel like at every like home party that I've been to for New Year's, and even I went to a New Year's Eve party at a gay club and they put on New Year's Rock and Eve um, in my <laughs> early 20s. Like every New Year's home party that I've ever been to has had New Year's Rock and Eve on. And so it's like it makes sense that there are so many viewers and it makes sense that there's always that many viewers because people are just putting it on the background of shit happening you know like they're you're not even watching it but you're just you just have it there. but it's crazy that it's such a highly rated show
1: brother you you read my mind because it harkens back to the Dick Clark comment I made earlier that New Year's yeah. rocket is very much like its creator Dick Clark because they both blend well. Into the background yeah. of other things that you were doing, right? It's so
0: real. It's so, of so course, real. Facebook
1: would make the perfect blend in show for 20 million so people real. to sort of watch.
0: <laughs> no, it's, so real. it's so real. We're kind of watching it from like the corner of our eyes while we make yeah. a cocktail. And you're like, yeah, oh, no. Is that, is that Fallout Boy? All right.
1: <laughs> and that's it. Well,
0: I guess, I guess, who would be on? To, is that Bad Bunny? That's probably who's going to be on New Year's Rockin' Eve this year. Is that yeah. Bad Bunny? Oh, all right.
1: it's Burna Boy.
0: No, it's Burna Boy. I wish that'd be sick. Then I would actually watch. All right, so this is the this is the last and final part of New, and then we're gonna put New Year's Rock and Eve to bed.
1: <laughs> well, until about <laughs> a week and a half from now.
0: Until yeah, we're all we'll all probably it. we'll probably watch it at Vinnie's <laughs> house again. <laughs> the 40th anniversary of New Year's Rock and Eve happened on the 2011-2012 edition of the show and that was dick's final appearance he had a good fucking run this man was on dick clark's new year's Rockin' eve for 40 years 40 years of course for that edition ryan seacrest hosted and dick was just the co-host and it was the one of the biggest new year's Rockin' eves ever with over 22 million viewers <laughs> at peak And that's just what they could get. There's likely more. So I actually did some research into the ratings. Basically, they can only account for, like, home viewings. They can't account for, like, bars that were playing it. And they can't account for, like, people who are having New Year's. Obviously, they don't know how many people are at a New Year's Eve party. So they don't know how many people are watching it at the New Year's Eve party, right? So this is 22 million homes that Mm -hmm. had dick clark senior's and eve on um and so it could be millions more because Man, you gotta double
1: that i think we're doing yeah i think
0: we're doing i think we're doing 44 million and we it could it could even be more than that to be honest we're data analysts <laughs> which like, which, like <laughs> is it's insane to think about if it is more than that that's almost a third of the american population watching dick clark's new year's Rock and eve
1: yep sort of watching dick clark's new sort of, year's yeah, Rock yeah. <laughs> sort
0: of watching yeah sort of watching i should say sort of watching yeah <laughs> Dick Clark is dead. He died in 2012. <laughs> he had a heart attack um, in April 2012. R.I.P. to a real one. You Seriously. know? R.I.P. to a real one. Um the strange thing about what happened in regards to like the New Year's, the Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve for that year is that they waited. So people were like, what's going on with Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve? Like right after he died? <laughs> like I saw that there are publications trying to look trying to like figure out what is going to happen with dick clark's like new year's just, rock and eve
1: he's like no more dick clark's new year's rock and eve yeah, and like die, the, it's his,
0: his, fa- his family's like it's done he's dead stop <laughs> but they it was strange because like all these people were looking for answers and they dick clark productions they like waited months to tell people what was going to happen so Finally, they said in August 2012 that they would be doing Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve that year, Um and it would be in the same like time spot and all that. And Ryan Seacrest was just gonna host it by himself. There was just gonna be no other co-host, just to, you know, just to honor his memory. Um, Do you think Ryan
1: Seacrest was was at the deathbed with Dick Clark and Dick? Clark he had to
0: be, right? The last he person Dick Clark talked to. <laughs> he was like son. <laughs> Thank his you. His
1: actual like kids are there, and they're like, "What? Yeah. Why is he <laughs> talking to Ryan Seacrest?"
0: <laughs> See, Ryan Seacrest was his son.
1: Yeah, he's that, like
0: that. He built
1: New Year's Rock and Eve is yours now.
0: Yeah, that's what he, he said he, exactly. And then he croaked.
1: He went into that good night,
0: you know. Yeah, and then good for him. Good for him. A year after the like whole debacle about when what's going to happen in New year's rock and eve they announced officially in october 2013 that ryan seacrest had signed a very long multi-year contract of unspecified length so nobody knows how long that contract is
1: until the final new year until we have no more new years
0: since since dick clark did it till he died ryan seacrest (laughs) also has to do it until he dies. It's like being right? a Supreme
1: Court justice. It's a lifelong Yeah, it's a
0: lifelong position. Yeah, you get it forever. And I think that's what's happening. So just to like before I get to the why is this relevant part of and it's not really, but like I'm just just can't, why is this relevant part of this? I just want to let you guys know. I've been talking about the ratings a lot to this day. To this day. As of the two thousand um, t- the 2022-2023 edition of Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. It is still the number one-rated New Year's Eve program in the U.S.
1: Good, you know, which is crazy be.
0: because which is crazy because there are other programs. You have like you know hipper hosts and like different people who you know like other television personalities that people care about, and this is still number one. When people want to watch the ball drop, they Go to New Year's Rock and Eve. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do. That's just aid, what we do.
1: You know, streaming is taking <laughs> over, but there will only be one television program in a few years, and it will be and Dick will Clark's be like, New Year's Rock and Eve.
0: That's just what we do, folks. It won't even okay? be the
1: Super Bowl. The Super Bowl will be no. on for streaming on Amazon Prime, but Dick Clark New Year's Rock and Eve. If you have basic cable, you'll have nothing for 364 days of the year
0: that's actually real just actually i actually read that i actually read that there was an instance in like the 80s or the 90s where there was a football game that went late and it like basically threatened to like take away viewership from dick clark's new year's rock and eve but new year's rock and eve still beat it Mm mm-hmm which Good. is like really funny. Like I don't know, people just love Dick Clark's rocket. rugby, <laughs> I don't get it. More
1: American than football.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's more American than football. So just to get to the why is this relevant? I guess like technically this isn't as impactful as any of the other stuff we've discussed this season. But you know the new year is coming up, and I wanted, to, and like I said, I wanted to see those performances and rate them. But as I was doing research, I realized like I do think that it is relevant because there's not a single. Millennial in this country who didn't see Dick Clark Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve at some point in their lives, Mm -hmm. like I would put money that probably everybody had it on as like a background at some point, even if they were it was just when they were little, right? And I was thinking too, like Americans love tradition, but we also love to destroy tradition. So to have something that's like so ingrained in the culture and that is has been going on for so long and it's still ongoing at this point it's going to be the this is the 51st year this Damn. year is the 51st year it's interesting like to see this staying power that it has and just like the power that it has over media and also like people's attention um obviously it only comes on once a year so i guess it's easy to have that staying power but it's just such an interesting thing that even today like People are going, people are watching it. People are looking for it on their television. And like I said, millennials like remember having this experience of watching New- Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve. So the staying power is just wild.
1: Yeah, you know, it is kind of a document of sorts of the year, right? When you were talking yeah. about the early 2000s, the names of the performers, many of whom are no longer relevant at all, some are only nope. relevant in our minds. Mm -hmm. Um, the very true it's kind of like the end of the year review in a way i'm not saying it actually is but like who was uh, marketable enough to appear on the one of the most marketable platforms in all of television for that year
0: yeah 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 no it's so true it's a cultural document it's definitely a cultural document i do you know and every year that it's an interesting thing that you're bringing up like it's a cultural document it is like a review of the year who was the most popular during that year and also I do think they always try to like strike a little bit of a balance between like who's really popular in that year and like giving also old people something to like look at
1: as you mentioned Lionel Richie was one of those yeah
0: and I, I just think that that's really interesting too that there's this idea that like yeah you're with your, you're probably with a multi-generational group of people during New Year's, which has like, for the most part in my, I was thinking about this, which for the most part in my life has actually been true. Maybe it wasn't like my family, but there's always been people who are like a little bit older and like people who are a little bit younger and then like us, mm-hmm. whoever us is like my friend, my group of friends or whatever. I can't remember like in new years that I spent at a house party where it wasn't this like multi-generational group of people like hanging out and doing new year's together, which is also very interesting.
1: It is. It is very interesting. And I guess it relates to the Americanness of it all, because ultimately we are an American <laughs> podcast, yeah. right? Is
0: we that... are an American podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are unfortunately an American podcast is that mm-hmm. you? you do have to, for whatever the monoculture is right you do have to curate the monoculture for a variety of different kinds of people and so this curation of the acts of dick clark's new year's Rock and eve and i cannot tell you what else is a part of this celebration (laughs) other than musical acts right there's other stuff going on but i don't know what it is yeah this is this is the way of like solidifying what we believe the monoculture to be so you have like a variety of musical acts which is something that obviously mtv and trl and all those things cultivated for us but you also have the multi-generational aspect of it so yeah. yeah it's it's kind of an interesting little tradition that nobody thinks about because it's sort of background noise as it should be i'm not saying we should watch it uh, no in any real way but that's what the monoculture is it's like background yeah. noise as we engage in yeah. real life
0: and it's, it's especially background noise now because there's so many there's so many like other cultures going on at the same like simultaneously right you don't necessarily need to like engage with this at all mm-hmm. it's just it falls by the wayside or whatever like you know it's just it's interesting like how yeah it's we all have like this it's kind of like uh, 22 million of us every single year double that probably right like we were saying but 22 million of us every single year have this experience of like celebrating the new year and like that's on in the back <laughs> That's yeah. on in the background, and we're not paying attention to it except for when the ball drops. Because then we do the whole, you know, 10, 9, 8, and then we kiss our loved ones, and like that's, you know, that's all we pay attention to it for.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the the thing in the background of whatever movie is being made, some biopic about like, um, you know, someone's life, and you want to show the yeah. passing of the year, you'll have Rock and Eve in the back. Yeah. Right, yeah, like in Forrest yeah. Gump, right? In
0: Forrest Gump, Rock and Eve is happening, yeah. yeah.
1: He and Lieutenant it's Dan, so and those two uh ladies of ill repute,
0: yeah, it's happening, and also they sing Auld Lang Syne, which I think is really funny too. Because they, because New Year's Rock and Eve, after Guy Lombardo died, like took all day, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, Auld Lang Syne is a pretty dope song,
0: yeah. I'm not saying it's not, I just think you know, like I said. <laughs> Americans, like I said, Americans love, we love tradition, but we also love to destroy tradition and, like, blow it up. And it's so funny to that before New Year's and Eve, there was this long-standing New Year's Eve show that lasted for about, like, a little bit. It was about 40 years. It lasted about 40 years. I can't do the math right now because I have to mm-hmm. um, But it was about 40 years. And then now Dick Clark's show is still going on 51 years later. That's, you know? It's like the yeah. one thing we hold. The one thing we hold on to is this like one ratings blasting New Year's Eve show.
1: Yeah, that's man. what we
0: got. <laughs> this is it.
1: This is the last remnant of culture <laughs> that we have. It's,
0: it kind of is, in a sense. <laughs> it, it is like one of the last remaining things I like in regards to like monoculture. It's one of the last remaining things that we have. So that's. I guess it's more relevant than I thought.
1: Yeah. Totally relevant, and because yeah. this—if his death falls within our decade, his stroke and his death, and the passing of the Dick Clark New Year's Rockin' Eve torch to Ryan Seacrest—I think it fits pretty nicely, actually, with what we're doing this season. Yeah,
0: it totally makes sense. It's like a change of—it's like I mean that changing of the guards is like everything that we're talking about, like just shit shifting so dramatically, and like that is a dramatic shift to go from somebody who was doing it for forty years. To you know somebody who we know in our culture, but isn't isn't the same kind of like a iconoclastic figure, but is becoming or has become one. I'm not really sure. I think he kind of has, in a way.
1: Sea crust. I really, I don't know. Yeah. He fits into the background for me too. He was just a guy who existed. Yeah. right
0: I really feel like people know him though. It's like yeah, you know, he's like in that group of like. I mean, he's not. I know Ryan Seacrest is not gay, but he's like in that group of guys where it's like, and it's like Ryan Seacrest, Anderson Cooper, Andy Cohen, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like all that, that group. Yeah. Where like, it's like Andy Cohen. I mean, um, Ryan Seacrest is like gay adjacent in some sense, (laughs) but he fits into that group, you know, it's like, yeah, we know who they are. uh, We know what they do, but like, they're not really that important to us. Mm-hmm. that kind of situation you know. and
1: therein lies so much power to just kind of blend i know in.
0: there is a lot of power in that there is a lot of power in that
1: dick clark showed us the way <laughs> he
0: really did all right thank you brother i'm glad that i could at least talk about something related to dick clark's new year's rocking even but no it wasn't the exact thing i wanted to talk about
1: i think it's important that we reflect on this uh, as a tradition and as something that has not gone away despite the many yeah. changes um it is to me i made the reference earlier but it does feel kind of like the super bowl in terms of things people just feel compelled to watch regardless yeah. of their actual buy-in and investment in the thing
0: yeah that's so real and i guess people are going to continue to do it cuz the ratings stay the same every yeah. year
1: yeah um well hey happy new year to our listeners and yeah. uh, you brother even though i'll see you later when we go to the movie
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, i'll also see you on new year's eve yeah i'll see
1: see you (laughs) (laughs) but still
0: planning to spend our new year's eve together um (laughs) but yes thank you guys for listening happy new year and we wish you all the best for the new year
1: yeah and i guess we're just continuing with season two until uh 2024 sometime
0: Yeah, we're gonna just we're just gonna go until it dies, just like Dick himself.
1: (laughs) Until we die,
0: (laughs) we're just gonna go until we die. And with that, thank you again for listening. Thank you.